Welcome to the Gibraltar Heritage Trust podcast series. I'm Alice Mascareñas, and this time we bring you the last of three special podcasts commemorating the work done in Gibraltar during the Falklands War, but with a difference. Gibraltarian Michael Sanchez has always had a keen interest in the sea and air activity in and around Gibraltar. A keen observer, he has been doing this as a hobby since his teenage years. When the Falklands War started, and since the day Argentina invaded the Falkland Islands on 2nd of April 1982, Michael decided to keep a diary, a daily occurrence of all that happened throughout the conflict. These were pre-mobile days and social media days, so his sources were limited and restricted to what he saw on television, heard on radio and read in the newspapers. Here are two extracts from the diary. 2nd of April, 1982. Argentine forces invade the British Falkland Islands and its dependencies of South Georgia. This followed the illegal landing of scrap merchants on the island of South Georgia, who went to dismantle an old whaling station at the capital Gritviken. These scrap merchants hoisted the Argentine flag. 16th of April, 1982. The SS Uganda arrives in Gibraltar to start a two-day conversion into a hospital ship and goes into number two dry dock, but remains afloat. The first extract and the Gibraltar extract from the diary compiled at the time by Michael Sanchez. It started off as a military interest because I knew that somewhere along the line Gibraltar was going to be involved being more or less halfway through the distance between the UK and the Falklands. It started off as, let's see what happens and I'll jot some notes down progressively as the things got worse and, and the task force went down I just decided to well, just carry on and I'll do it in a, a diary form. That, that's the... The product. It started on a whim and it ended up as a, a diary. You were in your 20s at, at the uh, time. Yes. So was that the start? Because you're very well known locally for making sure that you're aware of what happens out in right. the bay. Yeah. Really. Yeah, so you're yeah. always constantly knowing what's flying into Jid, what the ships that That's are correct. arriving yeah. and, and so on. That's right. Was that the start of your interest? No. No. Mid-70s was when I started getting the interest. I used to live in Blackwatch House at, La, at Laguna. So, and our windows used to face the, the runway, so I, I was practically seeing aircraft every day. And that, that's a stimulation of an interest, and it's basically, it went from there. But yeah, it's mid-70s is when I sort of became aware of all this. And you've progress. kept it going ever since, probably. Yes, yes, I've got a diary, 1977, of all the warships that have entered Gibraltar, have come into Gibraltar since then, and I still keep it up. So let's go back to the Falklands Diary. Of course, it is the 40th anniversary now. We are, mm. we, we're commemorating in Gibraltar as well the work that was carried out in, in, in Gibraltar, of which you kept a record as well. Yes, that's right. What was the, the, the essence of the diary? The, the, diary is, the essence of the diary is the, the political angle, what you could listen to on the BBC radio and newspapers, bearing in mind that in those days there was no internet. So news came 24 hours late, uh, you have to listen to radio broadcasts, you weren't in the picture so much as nowadays. So 
it was forming a jigsaw puzzle at the end of the day. I just decided to pick pieces and listen to and what was I thought was interesting. I put it in diary form with the political angle, political talks that went to and fro, and obviously, which was very important, is the military build-up of the task force that went down to to the fortress to liberate them. The, the use of Gibraltar uh, was very important. And subsequently, what could have happened had Britain not taken the stance it took against Argentina vis-à-vis Gibraltar's problem. I decided to say, let's I put it down in, in, um, in diary form and, and highlighted a lot of things that I thought would be important. And how did you follow what was happening in Gibraltar? Did you actually, could you actually see what was going on in the dockyard? Yes, there were certain things going on. They, but basically, the, the, the highlight, if I, if I might say so, is the formation of the initial task force that left Gibraltar from, rather left Gibraltar to the Falklands. I mean, 12 ships that were here during exercise spring train, they were deployed down and also the amount of Hercules transports that were coming in. There was roughly about 12, 50, 20 a day. At first, I remember distinctly, at first, uh, when um, the MOD was asked here what was going on, we were fobbed off in the sense that, no, no, don't worry, it's uh, the support for exercise spring train. I was only 20 odd, I said, no, no, hang on a minute. This is not normal. Spring train, you get two or three Hercules coming in, uh, they leave, the Germans or the Italians come in, but this is us. Uh, a constant flow of aircraft and eventually they had to admit that Gibraltar was being used as an air bridge from line So it was a constant flow of British aircraft? British aircraft, yeah, yeah. And ships, obviously, there were... Once the sub-task force that was formed here left, the naval base uh, toned down a bit because obviously the, all the ships were gone so there was a, odd ships coming in and out for refueling, uh, re-ammunitioning but the main focus was the beginning when the task force was formed and they departed that, uh, that day to down south. I, w- I was in the Gibraltar police at that time and I remember on the night shift the order came through that certain ships had to prepare to go down south and I remember going with the naval patrol in those days, although I didn't take an active part, but I went with them and the naval patrol went to every single bar in Jib with a list of, na- of the ships and they just used to call out, right, uh, crew members from HMS Sheffield, for example, report back. And all the blokes, everybody was being recalled. And this was about two or three o'clock in the morning. Some of the ships set sail seven or eight o'clock in the morning. And I was, I used to look at it and say, how the, how the hell are they going to get these ships off if they're all drunk? <laughs> if they've only got four or five hours to sober because some of them were very wor- worse for wear. And, and it, it, they got the ships off, obviously. But it was it was very... Just one thing that stuck in my mind, I mean, the, the recall, and there was also a lot of uh, sailors that were on ships that weren't going south, and they were they got really, really upset. Well, why not us? Why, why are we going down? No, no, you're not needed, or whatever. It, it was it was rather rather in, interesting, and it, it sticks in my mind that... And all this is jotted in, in your diary that you kept throughout yes, the Falklands yes, War. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right from till practically the last day of the war, the 10th of June, 12th of June, I think it was. 
So yeah. tell me about this uh, convoy that would eventually lead Gibraltar. What was the build-up like? The, sig- the signal came through to get ready. I remember that. The so how many ships were there in Gibraltar? 18 ships. Practically. Which wasn't normal. No, in, in fact, you're quite right, because the exercise spring train for that year was was more ships than normal. They were, I mean, the, dock, the, the naval base was full, and ships rafted together side by side, which is um, not normal. But 12 of those ships were, were selected for their, for their need down there. As soon as they were ready, they left. That's it, we never saw them again. In fact, uh, HMS Sheffield and HMS Coventry that were sunk, unfortunately, in the Falklands. The last port of calls they ever made was Gibraltar. After that, in fact, it was last British territory and last port. After that, they never saw port again, and they, unfortunately, they were they were sunk. I remember now going back a bit to an, another night shift that I was at um, the naval base at 50 berth at the top, and we and HMS Ambuscade was in, and I remember distinctly going on board because we had to visit the, the the ships and all that for security. I remember going on board. The flight deck of the ship was covered in boxes of ammunition from the hangar right to the back. I mean, you could walk on, on ammunition boxes. Some jib was emptied of ammunition and, and ordnance to such an extent that they broke the rules and they sent ambuscade down with literally ammunition in every corner. And it was offloaded here and in fact ambuscade went down to the Falklands. Those little things that... that that stick in your mind. It's like flashbacks. You remember, I remember going out the gangway and seeing, my God, what's this? And they say on board, we've broken all rules, we're not supposed to do this. But Jib needs the ammunition because we've taken everything that you have. And going going back, I in one of my uh, tours of duty down in Main Street, I had an accident with two sailors from HMS Coventry. I was the officer involved, and anyway, I'm talking to this gentleman on accident and all that. Anyway, we built up a, um, a friendship. I knew him every time he said, hello, Michael, all that. And um, he, off he went to the Falklands and HMS Coventry and the uh, middle of May when I was looking at, I remember the Daily Mail, I think I've got it at home, the casualty list of the, the, the ones who had lost their lives on Coventry. And he was one of them, David Strickland. And he was a volunteer because he, he was a crew member of HMS Aurora across to HMS um, Coventry from Aurora because certain um, specialities were, requ- were required on board the ship for, I believe it was for the missiles. He transferred across from Aurora to Coventry and um, unfortunately he was killed the uh, 25th of May when uh, Coventry was attacked by aircraft off Pebble Island. How closely did you monitor what was happening in Gibraltar in terms of the Uganda, the arrival of the Uganda, the conversion of the Uganda, yeah. and the notes that you made in your diary. I, I was, I was, I, as as I could when I was in between work. I used to go up there to the above the dry docks, and I spent a few hours just looking and taking clandestine photos at those days because you weren't allowed. There were signs all over the place so you can photograph ships in the naval base and all that, which was rather silly at the end of the day. But anyway. And I took my little Instagram and I took photographs. I still got them at home. It, 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 up to today, even up to today, it was a, a feat, a, an accomplishment that I take my hats, uh, hat off to the, 
to the workforce because what they did there was was totally exceptional. I mean, in, in two and a half, three days, I mean, you could see the, the transformation, although not interior, obviously, but you could see the transformation of the ship from the outside, and it was it was a, a fantastic progress. I mean, it was it, it was. I don't think that the workers involved were properly rewarded, and and bearing in mind that they have they had um, their redundancy notices in their pockets because the they, the docker was closing. I think closed the year after. So those guys on board went did a fantastic job, a brilliant, fantastic job. Knowing too well that months months later they they were out of a job. So what are the jottings in your diary of the Uganda conversion? Mm. It's the seventeenth of April, next the day, the day after she arrived. Uganda conversion well underway. Helicopter flight being constructed. The painting of red crosses on the hull and superstructure, and conversion of holes into wards. And if I can add this, HMS Heckler, a smaller survey ship that was in, she was also converted into an ambulance ship, which a lot of people do not um, do not give it too much credence. You know, it, it was there. The ship, it was a Uganda main conversion, but Heckler was also converted. My next entry was on the 19th. Uganda leaves Gibraltar at 0900, bound for the Falklands. She was given a noisy send-off by ships in port. Galatea, Throsk, Heckler, and escorted out by tags, tugs Agile, Edith, Celium, and Airedale. Police launchers, RAF, Lee, Sunderland, and Royal Navy seeking helicopters. Fire Brigade also saluted the ship on her way out, and uh, Uganda left escorted by RFA Olna. And that is basically, I think that is the last. Did you write about the, about the helicopter? I just put the, the, the helicopter... Um, its presence. I, I know for a fact that it's not recorded. You're right, it's not recorded. But I know the fact they carried out they carried out trials out in the bay to land helicopter to see if the um, the landing uh, pad had would stand up to the weight of helicopter, and it was a, successful. In fact, when Uganda was uh, scrapped, one of the pieces or part of rather of the ship that took most trouble to break up was the helicopter deck. It had, it had been done in such a perfect way that uh, it was very, 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 very sturdy piece of gold. It was a fantastic job. I was told at that time that if the conversion wasn't completed by the 19th, some workers would have had to sail with the ship to complete the job, and they would have been offloaded in Sierra Leone and flown back to Jib somehow eventually. So that was the urgency of the conversion, that there, was, there were plans to keep some workmen on board and finish the job as, as Uganda was sailing down south. I guess that because of Gibraltar's involvement, because of, of that conversion, you had even more interest in putting your, your notes together yes. and, 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 and building on, on, on the right. style. That's right, yeah, yeah, precisely. The highlight of the, the diaries, the, the Uganda conversion, it, it put Jib back on it because there was a tail a tail off. The, the the task force left and then base went down because obviously we couldn't do anything else because there's nothing else to do. And then this came through. Oh, Uganda's coming and all that. That went. It's like a, a, a it, it brought up Jib to the forefront again, and its use as a as a naval base 
Um, dockyard, but apparently, obviously, by that time, decisions have been made, political decisions in England have been made, and the, the dockyard here was on its last legs. Now, let, let's just be, be clear, because your diary begins at the outbreak yeah, of war. Second of April, yeah. And it ends when war ends. My last entry is 3rd of August, but this is the residual stuff that was coming to and from after the war. So, but in actual fact, the, the last war entry was uh, 15th of June. I and have what here. did you write? 15th of June 82, the occupying Argentine forces in the Falklands, commanded by Brigadier Mario Melendez, have surrendered to General Jeremy Moore, the British, com British commander. Troops entering Port Stanley have found that despite the severe bombardment, there has been, has not been that much damage. This is the local entry. The Chief Minister has, has sent a congratulatory message to Mr. Thatcher for the liberation of the Falklands. The battle before the surrender of the Argentines took 12 hours. British troops found that the Argentine troops were well equipped and victualled. victualled. About 15,000 Argentines have been taken prisoner. Total British casualties in the final battle are 18 paratroopers, 5 Royal Marines and 2 Royal Engineers killed, 72 wounded. The further 6 have been killed. Four more killed on the HMS Glamorgan. She was struck by a, an Exocet missile. There were 15,000 troops in the Falklands, Argentine troops, not the estimated 8,000. So that's basically the last war entry. Obviously it, was a it is a contemporary diary of what was going on and without the benefit of um, the internet and all that, my sources were radio, TV and newspapers. Dates vary because of the time zones. So maybe I, I put an entry on the 14th of April, maybe it happened on the 13th. And that the, the time news took to come, not like now, did you just at the press button, you've got everything. So there are inaccuracies, obviously, because of lots of misinformation going part of both sides, which is normal in warfare. Things that have come out now 20, 30 years after that happened, that I've got them documented in my diary. They never happened as I was imagining, I, I, imagining or as I, w I was reading and, and listening to news. So it, it's, it's accurate on the day. What does that diary mean to you today? I consider the Falklands War my war. Because I, I didn't live it, obviously, but I, I lived it as a, as a passenger, looking at it, and the interest, what was going on. And it's... It's like a, it's, it's, to me it's like a family heirloom, I took it, and it's there, I mean, it's, it, it was one thing, it was one thing that, no, it, it happened autom automatically or whatever, that day I decided, I'll start a diary, see how, how far I can take it, and see what happens, because everybody thought, ah, this will be over, it'll blow over, and it progressed to what it was uh, at the end of the day, and, and there it is, it's, and it's falling apart. It must have been very scary at the time, for you as well, because we, you're of the generation whose parents came from the war. That's right. Um, That's right. But you've never, you had never really experienced yes. anything like that yourself. Yeah. The, the thing is that you know, we have the problem the, with Spain vis-a-vis -vis the sovereignty and all that. And I thought at that moment that this, is, this could go pear-shaped if Margaret Thatcher wouldn't have sent the task force down. We 
I'm not, I, I wouldn't say we would be invaded, but our position, Britain's position in Gibraltar would become untenable. And that is one of the, my main worries that, that I had all the time. If, these, if, if it goes bad down the Falklands, we're next. Not necessarily uh, militarily, but uh, politically. Uh, Britain would be very would have been very hard pressed to defend us if they would have allowed the Argentines in or made an arrangement where the, the Argentines would have a some sort of control of the Falkland Islands. I think we would have been next. So, Michael, do you read the diary? Oh. Now and then I bring it out. Yes. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's falling apart. Yeah, I do bring it out. In fact, sometimes I get a lot of. Uh, not requests, but some people ask me, look, um, you, you remember this, what happened to Fallen? Do you know anything? And no, I look around, uh, thread through the notes and, and look, yeah, I do. I do, it's... Uh, Perhaps a reminder of what uh, should uh, not happen. You took the words out of my mouth, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When things happen around the world, and they say, well, there it is, you know, yeah. It's a nice little piece of work, I suppose. Very inaccurate, but there it is. Uh, but inaccurate, not because of you, because of no, the no, time. No, 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 there was no no, no, there yeah, was yeah, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I said before. I mean, I was getting bits and pieces and everyone. You had to decide what should I put this in. What this is all about? And obviously, you found out days or weeks later. Hang on, this never happened like that. Oh, my diary. Leave it like that. Best thing to leave it. Don't alter it. This is what happened, or rather, this is what I I gleaned. This is what's been told in that day, and that's going in there. With the benefit of hindsight, you don't, I wouldn't change it. Michael Sanchez, whose diary on the Falklands War will no doubt be of great interest in years to come. That was the last of three special podcasts on the Falklands War and the work carried out in Gibraltar. Since we began, a special plaque has been unveiled by the Gibraltar Heritage Trust and the Friends of Gibraltar Heritage Society, a commemorative plaque paying fitting tribute to acknowledge the work and dedication of the dockyard workers and military personnel involved in the preparations and conversion of the SS Uganda into a hospital ship. She left the rock just 65 hours after she had arrived. On Monday, the 19th of April, 1982, from number two dock at 9am. This podcast series is presented and produced by me, Alice Mascareñas, as a trustee, together with Chief Executive Claire Montado for the Gibraltar Heritage Trust. Original music is by Guy Valarino. The Gibraltar Heritage Trust offices can be found at the main guard at 13 John McIntosh Square. Opening hours, Monday to Friday, 9am to 3pm, and Saturdays, 9am to 1pm. You can contact the Trust on 200-428-44 or check out the website gibraltarheritagetrust.org.gi Until the next time, keep a watchful eye on heritage.